Hey all, this is Cassie, the host of Everybody. And ever since I can remember, I've been obsessed with how the human body works and how no matter what stage in life you're at, you can make amazing changes. Together, we're going to deep dive into topics like disease, nutrition, mental health, and more, all with a focus on how we can take steps toward living healthier, happier lives. All right. Thank you for coming back today, everybody. I have got a friend of mine, Cindy Welch, with me today. She is a registered dietitian, and we are going to talk a little bit more about metabolism and just nutrition in general. So Cindy, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm. This is such a topic dear to my heart, so I'm excited to um, talk with you about it. Good. Awesome. So tell me a little bit first about uh, just being a registered dietitian. What is it that you do? Uh, what is it that you focus on? I mean, even how you apply it in your own life. I know you've got children at home. Let's talk about that a little bit first. Okay. That's a, that's a long, okay. Kind of conversations about what registered dietitians do. Registered dietitians typically are trained to be in the hospital setting. So um, if you need somebody to help with tube feeding, to screen for malnutrition, that kind of thing. Um, dietitians work in that setting, also in nursing home settings. And I've done both of those. Um, as well as I worked at the Wisconsin Athletic um, Gym for a while, Athletic Club. Uh, I also worked in food service under school nutrition in the school nutrition program, both in California, where we were from, and then here as well in Waukesha. And most recently, I worked at Children's Hospital. So I've kind of jumped around from food service, yeah. hospital to community nutrition. Um, now, right now, I'm home with my kids and just doing consulting on the side. And it's been fun for the last couple months just to be home with them with COVID and really focus on family nutrition and getting our family nutrition back on track. So that's been a fun project for me. Yeah, that is really, really cool. Yes. <laughs> So much applicable stuff that you can do just being at home with your kids, right? Um, yeah. Very cool. So you've been a little bit of everywhere. Um, and you and I connected uh, last week a little more about the podcast that I released, uh, just kind of covering basics about metabolism. And I thought it'd be awesome to bring you on because you know more than I do, at least as far as uh, nutrition things go. And I thought maybe you could bring you know, some more to the table for, for the listeners. So I'm just going to jump right in if that's okay with you with some questions that I've gotten and hopefully you can help me answer them. So that sound good? Sure. Okay, cool. So first question is why is breakfast important? And this question comes from, you know, a lot of people, both that I coach virtually and, uh, you know, at the gym, I can't tell you how many times people will show up and have not had breakfast and then get sick during a workout or just don't feel great. Um, and I've always been a big breakfast eater, but I wake up hungry. So it's easy and natural for me to eat breakfast, but I know so many people do not eat breakfast and they're not really sure why they should. Um, they say they're not hungry. So how does, how does that work? Why should we be eating breakfast? How does it support your metabolism? Okay. This is a great question. Breakfast breaks, it really does break the fast of where you've been sleeping and it starts your day on the right track. So if you skip that meal, then you one every time we eat, we're revving up our metabolism. So if you eat breakfast, you start your metabolism high on, on the beginning part of the day. 
And, and we can talk about different foods because really, if you're eating just a donut, that's probably not a good breakfast by breakfast. Right. And you're eating some sort of carbohydrate, fat, and protein. Ideally you would have some either fruit or vegetable in there for some phytonutrients, um, power. But if you're eating a balanced breakfast, that really does start your metabolism on the right foot for the rest of the day. And it sets the tone for really those evening hours where you tend to want to snack or you are finding yourself um, angry or hungry or, or just not feeling settled, breakfast sets our body up um, hormonally to have an even keel day for the for the rest of the day. That's why it's so important. Sure. And, you know, something that I've done some reading on is it's even more important for women to make sure they're eating breakfast hormonally. Is that something that you know a little bit about? Yes, especially as women um, continue to age. And we sure. go, you know, I can see teenagers, their bodies are so efficient that they can have a few days skipped. Not that I'm, I, you know, recommending. Right, right. But as we get older, we really need to be watchful of our bodies and treat our bodies like a fine-tuned machine. So yes, um, definitely to keep those hormones in balance all day long. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so you touched a little bit on what you should have for breakfast, um, but do you want to go a little deeper into that with maybe some suggestions? Sure. Ideally, breakfast would be a complex carbohydrate, a protein, and a little bit of fat. So if you did a steel cut oatmeal with some berries and some um, either milk or almond milk and then nuts for some protein, that might okay. be an option. Or if you did a scrambled egg and some Ezekiel bread and then had a banana on the side, each thing you're getting carbohydrate, fat, and protein. And ideal it would have a complex or yeah, complex carbohydrate because that's going to help you keep your energy level up. Protein, sure. which is setting you up for satiety for the whole day and a little bit of fat, because especially as you said, women, we need a little bit of fat throughout the day and yeah. it tastes good. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so perfect. That is perfect. Um, yeah. And, you know, this is something that I go round and round with people, you know, some people come into the gym and say, oh, I'm intermittent fasting, so I'm not going to eat till noon today or something mm -hmm. like that. I, I don't know what your feelings are on the intermittent fasting, but I feel like from what I have seen and worked with other people with that, you know, a lot of these like fad type diets, like the intermittent fasting or the keto, where you're not eating carbohydrates barely at all are very detrimental as opposed to just having a well-balanced mm -hmm. diet. And people seem so afraid to eat carbohydrates, but they're really, really important to our bodies and what we need throughout the day. You are so correct. So the intermittent fasting, this is what I would say. There is some research that suggests that intermittent fasting may be helpful for certain types of disease states. So if okay. you're having huge inflammation throughout your body, that might be something you could look at, but that would be something you would definitely want to talk with your doctor about not putting yourself on it because you think it's going to be a weight loss program. What we see with intermittent fasting and to do it really correctly, you need to eat say mid morning nine and then stop eating more at like five so that you okay. have those hours in the evening when you're not eating, which is harder for Americans. Sure. It's really the harder way, but it really is the best way for the body to use 
energy efficiently. I mean, you wouldn't, if you are um, on a trip and you're going on a long trip, you would feed, you would put a whole bunch of gas in your car typically before you leave, if you're going to drive 200 miles, it's the same way for our bodies. We need to have that fuel in the morning when we start our day and are active instead of in the evening when we're typically trying to relax and not being using. Right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. And I feel like that's, you know, ideally that's how I try to eat too, is really fuel myself up in the morning, the evening, you can kind of, it's the opposite of what, like you said, most Americans want to sit and snack in the evening, but really we don't need to snack in the evening unless, unless say you're someone that's doing a workout at 9 PM, or maybe you work third shift or, and then, and you need the energy at that time because that's when you're working. But the standard day where you're getting up at maybe five, six, seven AM and going to bed, you know, nine, ten PM, something like that. That evening food isn't something that our bodies really need because we're not really using a lot of energy in the evenings. Correct. It's more of a mind mind thing. Um yeah. is what I think. I always say it's a toddler diet that we really should learn from toddlers. Because if you've ever had a toddler, they're huge breakfast eaters. Yes. Huge. And then by dinner, they're not very hungry. They pick at dinner. They're kind yeah. of birds. And then in the morning, they eat a lot. And at least every toddler, I have three children. All my toddlers did that. They eat a bunch in the morning and then kind of tapered on in the evening and didn't eat very much. So if we could learn from that, yes. Um, I also wanted to touch, if it's okay, Cassie, I wanted to go back yeah. to the um, uh, keto diet. Sure. Type of carb restricting diet. Can I can I touch on that for just a yeah, minute? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So recently I've been doing a little bit of research on this subject because I just wanted to know more about it. And as a dietitian, when this came out, I'm like, oh, that's gonna blow your blow your kidneys out because you're eating <laughs> too much protein or you're, you know, you're doing all these meats and then you're eating a bunch of car, you know, protein shakes. And I was like, oh. you know, in school they were very pounded that into us. Do not over protein your patients. Or, sure. But what they've found, because this diet has been a while, around a while, and um, it is so counterintuitive to people. I think it's hard to get them to understand this. When you go on a keto diet, you take out all of the nutrition that helps your body stay healthy. So you're taking out the vitamin B12, the vitamin B1, the vitamin, all, all the vitamins that help you stay healthy and all the phytonutrients that you would get from fruits and vegetables. So that's a problem because then you, you open your body up for disease because you're taking yes. everything that you need. You're also adding a lot of saturated fat because you're just eating a lot of meats. So they see, now they can see that if you stay on this diet for a while, you really put yourself at risk for cardiovascular problems as well as stroke and open up your cells to potentially cancer damage. So when we look at this diet as a whole, it's a diet that one, opens ourselves up for disease um, just by the nature of it. And also they have now seen, and I was just reading some more information about this, and they can find this at nutritionfacts.org, that uh, clients that use this to lose weight, they do lose weight a little bit faster than if you're eating a moderate diet, like we talked about in the beginning of the show. Right. But what happens is your thigh, they measured thigh um, size and, and what was going on in just your thighs. And they saw that 
you are actually losing muscle. So you're losing that muscle and gaining fat on right. So it really does like the opposite of everything you would want it to do. If right. that makes sense. No, it really does make sense. And I think, unfortunately, so many of us are looking for a quick fix mm-hmm. because right. if you're truly looking to lose weight, it's not a fast process. It really no. isn't. It's something that takes time and effort and consistency in a whole bunch of areas than just your nutrition. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, people are just always looking for this quick fix, the magic pill, the thing that's going to help them drop weight really fast. And so, you know, when you hear people talk about like, oh, I lost, you know, 30 pounds on the keto diet or something like that. Uh, it's very attractive to people from just from the face of it. Um, right. But I think it's really important that if anyone is going to try any kind of diet or eating program or anything like that, that you're really doing the research before you start and not just looking at the surface, like, oh, my friend lost 30 pounds, but looking at, like you just said, you did, you went to the research and said, I want to figure out really what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's really no excuse these days to not have knowledge about something that you want to know because we have the internet and we can find just about any study that we want out there. Um, there's so many free websites that are um, fact-based websites. You know, obviously you want to go to places that have, that are reliable sources, but yeah, um, really it's, it's a, a, a really big thing and it worries me to see so many people kind of just attaching to some of these ways instead of just really just focusing on maybe being just a little bit healthier every day, making better choices every day. Correct. Looking yeah. at it more of as a way to have your body become less disease prone or prone to diseases. Yes. Instead of saying, oh my goodness, I want to look like a model or um, really you will look like a model if you stay close to the diet, <laughs> the, the way you're, you know, have a right. model diet that is full of healthful foods and you will look like a model when you're 98 because you're gonna (laughs) you know live so long (laughs) right right yes yeah and ultimately if you're trying to take care of yourself or lose weight or anything I mean really ideally what you're doing is setting yourself up for a healthy future so yes we all want to feel good now but that whole um you know, opening yourself up to disease or the saturated fats so that you've got, you know, risk of cardiovascular health issues. And, you know, what's it going to matter if you lost 30 pounds, if you end up in the hospital sick from a stroke or a heart attack. So, okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about evening snacking, because that's also another barrier. I always get the breakfast question and then the, should I snack in the evening and what should I snack on? What are your feelings on that? So this is where, I will use my own personal experience. I'm going to take for a minute the clinician off hat sure. and use just my own personal. What I've found in my own personal life is when I'm under stress or when I feel out of control, mm-hmm. um, typically I can be busy all day and not none be a pretty healthful eater throughout the day. Then I hit about, you know, seven when I'm done with dinner, kids are getting ready for bed or whatever it happens to be. And you sit down to relax for a few minutes and you're like, Oh, I want the ice cream. I want the popcorn. I want the chips and the dip. I want, because you're 
going to foods that are comforting instead of nourishing. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't eat those foods. Um, but to be aware of why am I eating and how can I use this to both nourish my craving and my body at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As a clinician, when I put my clinician hat back on Mm -hmm. and then I would, would say, if your goal is to lose weight, find some foods that are lower calorie. So for example, my kids know, or I know that, so if they are hungry after we've had a nice dinner and it's not four hours later or four, if it, if, if it's, we had an early dinner and it's, they're up late and it's four hours later, of course, I'm going to give them something substantial right. to eat. But if they don't, a great way is, okay, carrot sticks. So, I mean, salary, you can eat as many as those as you want without right. a lot of um, calories into your body. And it's still satisfying that crunch that, you know, we have all kinds of spices you can put on them. Um, you know, like chili powder on cucumbers is a great way to satisfy like a sweet, you know, crunchy. Um, yeah. If that was something you're into, but definitely finding foods that are lower calorie that would satisfy that craving. And remember, the more you eat at night, the less hungry you are in the morning. So it sets you up for a bad day the next day. It's like not getting enough sleep for your eating patterns. Sure. That's a very good point. And I never thought of it that way. But if people are telling me they're not hungry for breakfast, Mm -hmm. then the next question should be, when's the last time you eat at night? Mm Mm-hmm. Because if you're filling up on a bunch of stuff before going to bed, you're not going to burn through it Mm -hmm. because you're just sleeping. So Mm -hmm. you don't need the energy when you're sleeping. Right. You haven't trained your brain. The hunger cues really are a training um, of when you are hungry. It's a pattern. Mm -hmm. So if you train your body to eat at a certain time, it will be hungry at a certain time. Sure. Know this well, because they're hungry (laughs) when the bell rings for lunch. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. All right. One last question. And this is a topic that you brought up and I am really excited to see what you have to say about it. So um, touching on how eating can actually change your genetic makeup um, and also give you empowerment over your metabolism. So let's dive into that before we're done. Sure. So this was a topic that's really close to my own heart because when I worked at the WAC, I would have people come in for um, metabolism testing. And some people would say, oh my goodness, my metabolism is so slow. There's no hope for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know this at the time. And I wish I had, because I would have been able to help them more. But studies have shown that we can flip switches in our genes. For example, they took um, mice that are typically fat, and started feeding them, their, their, gen, their genes um, encouraged them to be that way. So they took them, they started feeding them healthy foods, getting them lots of exercise, drank properly. And those, you would, as you would think, those uh, rats lost weight, became healthier, but then they took samples of their genes and they found that their genes had actually changed to encourage them to be thin, right? So interesting. that's really, really an interesting point. But then they took thin mice and they fed them a very fatty diet 
and had them not do very much exercise, didn't keep them well hydrated. And of course, what what happened is what you would expect. The the mouse got fatter, Mm -hmm. but they took the genes and they looked at the genes. Certain switches had been had been turned on or off in that genetic makeup. And that caused that mouse to then be stuck in that fat state. So even though the mouse was typically bred to be a thin mouse, it then became a fat mouse for the rest of its life. And the opposite, even that those fat mouse became a thin mouse and stayed that way for the rest of its life because of those gene switches. And I think that's really, really empowering because if you have somebody who is on the heavier side and has been for their most entire life, and you can go to Dr. Ornish, he's done a lot of studies on this. There's no reason that they, at, at like 80, they can still switch those genes. It's very empowering to have them become healthier at any age and yes. that way. That is so awesome. <laughs> That was really cool that I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that as a dietitian, if I see somebody who's struggling with health in a certain way, I can say, this is exciting because it tells us you have power. You are not like at the mercy of your genes. That's all you have empowerment to change this and stay that way for the rest of your life. You do not have to say, well, it's my genes fault. Well, we are all typically, you know, our genetic makeup is what it is, but we can change it for the better. Yeah. Very interesting. Yes. Um, I always will tell people when they say, oh, well, you know, use the genetic factor, like, well, my mom had arthritis, so I'm going to have arthritis or, you know, my genes, this, or my, I, you know, on last week's podcast, um, I had a woman that came to me and said, well, my doctor said I'm turning 40 and she, and my metabolism is going to be, you know, bad now. And she was like tearing up and I'm like, no, nothing changes between Mm -hmm. the night that you're 39 and the morning that you wake up and you're 40. Like there's not a switch that just flips and says, well, now your metabolism sucks. Like your (laughs) genetic makeup and your age is only part of it. Um, But we can really influence so many things just by making different choices every day um, and training our brains and our bodies to do the things that we really want them to do. Yeah, which I found was exciting in the study. The other thing they found um, that was changed your genetic makeup, and I thought this was nothing in my field, but is meditating. So if you meditate every day, it actually changes your genetic makeup and lengthens and keeps your genes nice and long. Cause as we are, um, age, supposedly our genetic makeup likes to shrink, but meditating helps keep that long and very healthy and keeps our body in check. So I just was really like, wow, that's pretty cool. That is really cool. Yeah. Um, meditating is something that I actually have started working on since last like October. Um, and I've gotten into good four minute meditations every morning. Cause that feels like that's a good, a good number for me, (laughs) but yes. So cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. You really opened my mind to a lot of things that I didn't know. This is really great. Well, thank you for having me on. You're welcome.
Yeah, fun. I'm so glad. Okay, good. Well, thank you very much. And we will talk to you soon. Oh my gosh, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I truly hope you've learned something today about your body. And I know you're thinking of someone right now that would love to listen to this too. So go ahead and send it to them. Until next time, make sure to drink plenty of water, move your body and smile often.